0: I'm Chef Dave Barron from Tajoli in Santa Monica, and you're listening to Ingredient Insiders.
1: This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazino, And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we'll be talking with chefs, And food authors about their favorite ingredients.
2: We then speak to the producer of those ingredients. We talk about their history, how it's made, and why chefs love using it in their kitchens.
1: Andrea, what are we talking about today?
2: Today we're talking about a delicious vegetable. Yeah, which one? So I think this is a vegetable people either love or hate. Mm -hmm. The flavor is found in candy.
1: Hmm. Oh,
2: in beverages.
1: Oh, this is are oh, you going to do like a secret reveal yeah, it's a now? Yes, a secret okay, reveal. I get this. Okay. Do you know what it is yet, John? No, I'm still waiting. It's candy and beverages. beverages. Candy. It's a vegetable.
2: But you can candy, eat this vegetable. Carrots. Candy. No, you can eat this vegetable nose to tail.
1: Nose to tail, if you will. And it's a vegetable. Hmm. Candy. Mm-hmm. I haven't the foggiest idea, Andrea.
2: We're talking about fennel, John. Oh, I love fennel. Oh, I love it too. How do you like it?
1: Uh, you know what? I love fennel raw. Mm-hmm, me too. This is another one of those things as a child. Yes, scary. I did not like mm-hmm. my mom and my grandparents, the Calabrian side of my family. Yep. That They used to take fennel, cut it into cubes, and I'd watch them eat it straight up. And I remember taking it. You know, it looks like celery sort of yeah. when you're a kid. And like mm-hmm. took a piece of it. I think it probably thought it was celery, put it in my mouth and was like, Oh what the, yep. like, and what's weird is I love licorice. I love black licorice. Did you love it as a kid though? Yeah, I think so. But really? That I, I'm i okay with like one thing tasting like that being yeah. candy, but I thought it was too weird as a kid. As like a vegetable. Yeah, maybe it's just too intense the flavor mm-hmm. for a kid. Anyhow, did not like it. But today I love to just buy bulbs of Fresh Funnel, cut them up, Eat them, dip them in, you know, oil or vinegar or a uh, thin shaved onto a salad. I like a, a shaved
2: fennel salad for me. Cafe
1: Ultra Paradiso oh. in New York City. So remember, we had Ignacio lunch there. Ignacio Matos makes
2: the best. Wherever
1: you are, if you're near New York City, drive there today and order that fennel salad. 100. It's so simple. It's he takes fennel, shaves it on a mandolin, and just incredible. Yeah. We have speaking of chefs, mm-hmm. we have. Uh, one of the best in the United States, uh, the executive chef and owner of Pajoli in Santa Monica, California, Chef Dave Baran. This guy is a genius. I cannot wait to talk to him.
2: Yeah, he has, you know, his pedigree is so impressive. He, you know, he's worked, uh, you know, with Grant Ackett's.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, at, the, at Alinea. Yep. And, you know, just saying that alone, you know that we're going to be in for a treat and talking yeah. to him.
1: And then we're going to round up a farmer to talk about fennel. This is going to be a really great and a really fun episode. Yes. Awesome. Fennel.
2: This season of Ingredient Insiders is brought to you by bizini Nuts. Bazzini is the brand of choice among chefs in the finest hotels and restaurants. Their legacy of quality extends to gourmet retail stores, specialty boutiques, grocery distributors, and delis, ensuring you have access to their extensive range of consumer retail packages. It all started in 1886, when Italian immigrant Anthony L. Bazzini began selling nuts by the pound to bakers, street vendors, and individuals during the Great Depression. But Bazzini Nuts isn't just about peanuts, they offer a delightful array of nuts, like cashews, almonds, pecans, pistachios, hazelnuts, and more, plus a tempting selection of dried fruit, including apricots, cranberries, figs, dates, prunes, and tomatoes. So whether at the ballpark, in the kitchen, or indulging in some well-deserved self-care, choose Bazzini Nuts. With a legacy spanning 137 years, they're here to serve your needs with the same consistency, reliability, and quality, making them an iconic name in the world of nuts and dried fruits. Bazzini Nuts. Tradition, quality, and taste all in one. Taste the legacy today.
1: This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Gotham Production Studios in New York City. We are in New York, but our guest today is joining us from beautiful Venice, California.
2: I love Venice. We are talking to Chef Dave Barron
1: from Pajoli Restaurant in Santa Monica. Dave, welcome to Ingredient Insiders. We're so excited to have you on.
0: Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: We've got, well, before we even talk about this key ingredient.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about this ingredient. Are you excited about it? I'm very, very excited.
1: It? Okay, I feel like I'm going to keep it a secret here and then like just pop it out Because as soon later. as I
2: read it, it evoked a memory for me. Yeah. So I, and I love when that happens with food. So, but let, yeah, let's, let's start, let's talk about Dave.
1: Dave, did you, are you from California or from LA? No. So I grew up in Syracuse, ah. in, uh, upstate New York. Yep.
0: And then uh moved to Chicago for college. After college, I uh, started cooking and that was it. And so I was kind of like unintentionally the, you know, became a Chicago chef.
1: Did you go to culinary school or did you go to college, college?
0: No, I went to regular college. I studied uh, uh, business psych and philosophy. Wow. And then somewhere along the way, it was like, maybe I'll start cooking. Um, Yeah, it was a whole... My dad was a professor of uh, hospitality Uh at Syracuse. So I was kind of like always around kitchens, always... um, You know, like kitchens were not a weird thing for me. Um, My first job when I was... I spent summers in Michigan with with my mom and stepdad. So my first job was at like this terrible little diner at the flea market behind their house. Um, So, you know, it was like first summer washing dishes at 13 and at 14, I was like making toast, Um, you know, so kitchens were just a fun place to be.
1: I was gonna say, do you have fond memories of those days in the diner or is that like,
0: Oh yeah, it was great. You know, I had summers in this little town in Michigan and all of a sudden I was working at a diner and uh, making friends. And so I would go to work and like, yeah, I happened to wash dishes or cook or something like that, but it was more like, I was meeting, you know, kids not much older than me and making friends. And it was just like a cool social place to be. Um, and the byproduct was I was working and I was getting, you know, I mean, I, I think my hourly rate was like three bucks an hour at the time. So it's not, it's not like I was getting rich off it, but I could afford to like go to the movies or do something. Mm-hmm. So kitchens were a place I was comfortable in, but never really a thing that I saw as a future. All I wanted to do was play hockey and um, you know, that was it. So, like, even picking a college, it was like, well, where do I have a shot at playing hockey?
1: Wait, so did you play college hockey?
0: Uh, I started to, and then I had a couple knee surgeries, and that kind of ended it. So
1: Where did you go to school?
0: This uh, small private school north of Chicago, mm-hmm. Lake Forest College.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well known. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so, you know, it was great. I was just outside Chicago. Um, you know, it felt like a, it basically feels like an East Coast prep school. Like, it's got... You know, I think it had like 1400 people when I went there and, but it was a, it was a great place to go. Um, and, uh, you know, at some point during that, my dad would always travel to Chicago for the national restaurant show. Um, like ever since I was a little kid, he would, and he'd always come back and have like all these cool trinkets and things. And <laughs> I was like, you know, enamored with the idea of this thing. And so uh, the summer between my I think sophomore and junior year, he asked if I wanted to go to the show with him. So he picked me up from college, he went to the show and then. Um after the show he asked if I wanted to go with him to my grandmother's house in northern lower Michigan. We found out she had cancer and he wanted uh wanna well, know if I wanted to help take care of her for the summer while he and my uncle kind of managed the affairs. Um and so, you know, during the restaurant show we ate some incredible restaurants and then I went with him up there and I was like, Well, I'll get a restaurant job. It's something I know how to do. Um we ate at this restaurant called Latitude in Bay Harbor, which mm-hmm. was one of the better restaurants up there at the time. I mean, this is like 2001. Then mm-hmm. um, I got a job there and it was awesome. So I spent the summer cooking in this restaurant with really no experience and no business being in there. Um, and by the time I left at the end of the summer, I decided I wanted to cook.
2: So, and that was uh, it.
0: Uh, that was it. Yeah. So the idea was I was going to enroll in culinary school after college. Um, started applying. Uh, I think I, I'm still enrolled in Kendall College, I think. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, I learned that after, you know, if you already have a bachelor's degree, you don't get financial aid for an associate degree. So because it's like regressing in your education. So um, I figured I'll just go cook somewhere. Couldn't afford culinary school, so I didn't go.
1: And then you kind of work your way through some of the greatest restaurants in Chicago. I saw that you worked with Grant Atkins and... At um, Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about... So you went from that first spot to to the city center?
0: I... um moved downtown right after college, uh, basically applied everywhere. And you know, when you've never had any real jobs, you think your resume is awesome. And really like now I look back and I'm like, who's going to hire me? Um, but I just pulled out the Chicago magazine top 20 list and started applying to every place. And, um, I happened to walk into one of the restaurants that my dad and I had eaten at, uh, the summer that I decided I wanted to cook and talked to the chef and he didn't go to culinary school and he just had a cook quit and he's like, yeah, I'll give you a shot. So my first culinary job or first cooking job was at MK, sure. mm-hmm. which was, <clears throat> you know, it was a great restaurant, right? It had it was basically like Spago if you got rid of the pizza and added steak. Um, but it was good. You know, I I still talk to some of the people I work with there. Like, you know, one of the sous chefs at the time, um, you know, has become somewhat of a mentor to me now. He's He runs uh, Eric Williams. He runs Virtue in Chicago. Um, you know, it's so it's that was an amazing place to like learn what it was like to be in a kitchen. Um, I worked there for a year and a half. Um, I tried working a trio a bunch, but that never worked out. Wanted to work for Rackets there. <clears throat> so uh, I, uh, at the time that I was leaving MK in like, I don't know, 2004, uh, the Tribune had just come out with this article, True versus Trotter for best restaurant in Chicago. And um, it was like this 10 point comparison, and somehow True won. Um, I think it was like for like one year, True might have been considered a better restaurant than Trotters. Um, But immediately I was like, I got to work at one of them. So I applied to both. I got a job at True. Uh, Worked at True for a year.
1: And that was with Rick Tremato and and Gail. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Rick and Gail were the chefs. Um, The chef de cuisine was this guy named Joel who was from Ducasse. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty much all of my like refinement came from there. A lot of the French foundation, sauce work, butchering um you know the chef the chef de cuisine was great for me we talked a lot about his time at ducasse and what that did for him and you know what my next step should be i was looking to go to robuchon vegas when they had three stars or french laundry um and then this one of the cooks that i worked with she um she's like she's become one of those people that everyone in the industry knows but like nobody outside the industry knows uh, she was like the chef de cuisine in Meadowood for a while. She was at El Bulli and um But we overlapped at True before all this happened. She's like, I'm going to be leaving and my boyfriend works at Linnea. If you want to go work there, apply tonight because he's quitting tonight. <laughs> um, and so we left work and I sent a resume at like 2 in the morning on a Saturday. Uh, and I got a call back at 10 a.m. the next day. Uh, went to Linnea a week later for a tryout and got a job. So Fantastic. I canceled Robichon and laundry and started working at Alinea.
2: What was that like?
0: Insane. Um, <laughs> you know, I almost uh, I almost didn't take the job because at the time at Alinea, there was a waiting line for the kitchen. And so all cooks started as food runners. And um, Eric Williams, the chef that I'd mentioned earlier from, from Virtue, uh, I called him and was like, hey, I'm not going to take this job. What should I do? Uh, he's like, why aren't you going to take it? And I'm like, well... I didn't sign up to be a food runner. Like, you know, ego kicks in and I'm like, I'm, I'm about to turn 25. Like I can't take this step backwards in my career. And he's like, you're only 25. Like you've been cooking for three years. What are you doing? Um, so I, I went, uh, I started as a food runner, uh, which was probably the best thing I could have done ever. Like I learned the respect for front and back of the house and the relationship and how stories are conveyed to diners through the service team and Totally changed my perspective on restaurants, um, ran food for eight weeks. And then, uh, one of the cooks cut their hand and decided that he was done with Alinea and the next day I got called in the kitchen. So, and that was it. And then from there it was like chaos, like nonstop. Like, I mean, it was just before the one year anniversary. It was right when Alinea won best restaurant in the country from gourmet. Um, it was just. It was firing on all cylinders. The amount of talent in that kitchen was absurd. Um, it was a magical place. I mean, it was hard, but it was... Sure.
2: How long were you there?
0: So I was at Alinea for almost five years, and then I left there to open the sister restaurant next, and I was there for just about five years, too.
1: Wow, that's quite a so run. So with the group for 10 years. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. You wanted to talk about fennel today.
2: Which is kind which... of interesting after hearing your story, I almost would think you would have picked like a protein versus a vegetable.
1: But Andrea and I both love fennel. Oh my god! I'm so so happy! I'm so uh,
2: excited. Why did you pick fennel? Tell us. uh,
1: Before we even start with that, I want to ask everybody here a question. (laughs) What do you guys? It's totally off base, but it's not off base. Do you guys like black licorice? No. No, Dave. No, not at all. I I love black licorice, Uh, and I find fennel. I'm shocked, but I wanted to ask the question. They're so similar to me.
0: I don't. think yeah, yeah. I mean the anise flavor is there. The anise is there. I okay, like sorry, the I, I
1: was you know just going off on a little I, tangent yeah, there. That's a good. Why question. in the world did you want to talk about fennel today? We love fennel.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, when I started Linea, none of the food that Ackett's was serving made sense to me. Um, you know, like all of the savory dishes had like fruit on them. Um, you know, it was. It was just confusing food like i didn't understand the flavor profiles we were serving oxalis and sorrel and you know fennel was on a bunch of stuff and i was like what is this food like coming out of true you know none of the ingredients we were using were there and they they weren't familiar um and so you know for a while it was this running joke of like if you wanted an, an, an alinea dish you you know you either like served it in a packet or you put fruit on a savory dish or you had to sneak fennel into it and that was like the joke that a few of us had in the kitchen um and so then i uh you know fast forward i'm i'm a sous chef at i Lin- just become sous chef at linea and you know the day that they announced um myself and two others becoming sous chef was the same day that akitz announced he had cancer um and so we're all sitting in the downstairs dining room and you know, it's this crazy meeting. Like three of us get promoted to sous chef. Someone becomes chef to cuisine. Curtis Duffy announces when he's chef to cuisine that he's leaving. Um, Atkins tells everyone he has stage four cancer and we're all just sitting there like, okay, now let's go into service. And this is all over like speakerphone because he's at Sloan Kettering in, uh, in New York at the time. Um, crazy. And so, yeah, it was wild. Um, but anyway, you know, fast forward a little bit and you know, I think that's like the beginning of July. Um, late July, he's back in the restaurant and he's talking to us, talking to managers and he sits me down and he's like, I'm having everyone take a week vacation at different times. When do you want to schedule yours? And I'm like, I'm not going to go anywhere. Like, what am I going to do? You know, I'd, um, I think I'd like just broken up with a girlfriend at the time. And I was like, all I did was work. Um, you know, I lived in this like awful little studio apartment. Um, and I, I had no life, like the restaurant was my life. And he's like, you gotta go do something. You gotta get out. I don't know when you'll get to take a vacation again. So if you don't do it now, you're not going to get to. Um, And you know, this is at the point where like, we're all saying he's gonna be fine, but then we're all saying he's gonna die. You know, you don't know if the restaurant's gonna stay open or closed. Um, And so he suggested that I go out to San Francisco and I go eat at French Laundry in Yachtville. Um, So we set up the trip. I have a good friend from high school that lives in San Francisco. So I go out to visit her. she picks me up from the airport and uh, as we she lives on like I don't know, it was like Hayden Ashbury area, you know, right by the big park, uh, Golden Gate Park, I think it is. Um, and so she picks me up, we get to her house, she's like, let's go for a walk. And so we go out to Golden Gate Park, and for the first time ever, I see fennel growing wild, and I was like, freaking out about it. And it's like a weed on the side of the road, I was like, yep. holy shit, here's fennel. And then I see sorrel growing, I'm like, there's sorrel. And I'm like telling her and she's like, yeah, whatever. I don't, you know, who cares? Um, and so then the next day we go up to French Laundry and we're in Yountville and, you know, we get up there a day early. So we're gonna eat at Bouchon the day mm-hmm. before and then Laundry the next night. Um, and we're walking around and I'm in the garden across street from Laundry and like under the tree is this like field of fennel right before you get to the garden, field of fennel and sorrel. And all of a sudden in that moment, like, all of Alinea's food made sense to me. It was like, here's a guy who really found his initial voice in food while working at this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like in Alinea, we were serving essentially rebranded versions of dishes that could have been served at French Laundry. Um, at least in early Alinea, like a lot of it was like that. You know, like our cauliflower custard was Laundry's cauliflower velouté with like some powders in it that made it set. Mm-hmm. Um, And so in that moment, it was like lightning struck and everything about Alineas food and the perspective on flavor profiles through Acket's in 2007, it all, it all made sense to me. And fennel was really that pivotal point for me where it was like, here's an ingredient that I never understood until I was literally standing in a field of them. And I looked around and it was like, now I know why he wants the flowers. Like now I understand what the fresh green seeds look like, you know, and and there were more ingredients along with it. Like sorrel was a big one. There was a huge bay tree there. And like, I'm looking at that. And I'm like, this is why we use bay. Like i would never seen fresh bay before, um, but we used to pay a fortune to fly it in from California to have fresh bay ba- branches at Alinea. Um, and so from that point, like now you fast forward to when I move out here and fennel becomes the ingredient that makes me think of California. That is the thing that I associate most with. And so, you know, I get excited when there's like, a third growth of fennel because it's been overcast and kind of misty at night in Venice. you know, like we have fennel growing at the community garden that I pick from that's like the third round of it now. Um, and so, you know, it can be a very o- overutilized kind of like unappealing ingredient or it can have a lot of subtle, subtle nuances to it, where it's almost like an onion in its versatility. Like you can caramelize it, you can do sweet things with it. You can do savory things with it. Um, and you know the, the big epiphany was when we go foraging it, depending on what side of the mountains I get it from or if it's rained or not, um, you know it'll have a higher salinity, it'll be sweeter, you know even the flowers taste different depending on when and where you pick it. So it's become something that like I probably use way more than I should. Um, but I also I think I hide it well so people don't know I'm using as much as I do. Um, but really it's it's that ingredient that obviously at that point in time, uh, with my relationship with Akits and Alinea, that was a very eye-opening moment for me.
1: I love that, that whole was story. A it story. really is beautiful. If you
2: ever write a memoir, you need to put that in there because that. I don't think any of our guests has ever described why they chose their ingredient in that way. And I'm like, thank you for sharing that story with us.
1: Yeah, it's and I, you know, it's and I have a love of fennel, and yeah. I was mentioning that, like the black liquor thing. Mm-hmm. I was just in Northern California about a month ago. And whenever I see, and it seems to be everywhere, particularly because you had, there was a very rainy season this past winter, so much wild fennel growing. And whenever I see those fronds, and I mm-hmm. always love to like just crack a piece off and smell it and taste it. And um, and I think it's also something that you see in Italy a lot, like yeah. on the side of the road, um, in certain parts of the country. Do you, so let's talk about, using wild fennel, are you, will you make your own fennel powder? Will you make your, you know, will you take the seeds and do things with it? And the, I'm saying, sorry, I meant pollen. I'm saying powder. Um,
0: Yeah. I mean, you name it. Like we've, um, and we've made fennel vinegars out of the scrap right now. We have a dessert with fennel jam on it. Um, You know, we're, we're preserving a lot of the flowers right now. Uh, We're always picking fresh fronds. Like uh, we have a, a stuffed quail dish that has caramelized fennel ragu with it. Um, you know, pretty much any aspect of it, like anything I can get my hands on that I can bring in, whether it's like fennel or bay or whatever else is coming into the restaurant because it's there and I feel like we should use it. Um, but even, you know, we would take large stalks of it um, and pull all the fronds off. So you just have like the whole stock with the flowers on the end, let them dry and then add those to our charcoal for smoke. Wow. Um, it gets a nice subtle nuance to it. I mean, it's just one of those things that I think when it's there in front of you all the time, you start understanding the versatility of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I fennel pollen to me, like porchetta, is not porchetta oh, yeah. without copious amounts of fennel pollen.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I it's...
1: and I'm seeing, and I think you know, and now that you mentioned it again, that like this ingredient, it's actually becoming very in vogue. Oh yeah, and very popular in New York. Mm-hmm. When I think of fennel, I think of two chefs one is Ignacio Matos who does a fennel salad which mm-hmm. he just thinly shaves it on top of Vetrano olives and some cheese and mm-hmm. then Missy Robbins also has gone very big on fennel powder i think on her like uh beef steak fiorentina she will just put a pile of fennel pollen on top of that uh. to finish and no one you know i i never really talk about it or think about it as much but n- you know now that you've wanted to talk about today. I'm so excited to talk about like yeah. all these great uses for fennel, fennel pollen. Mm-hmm. Fennel I seed. also just happen to love the vegetable raw and just Oh yeah. I you know, another childhood memory of mine was my mom used to buy, you know, very Italian family. She'd buy like and my grandparents if we went over their house, they'd have like chunks of fennel. Almost I think almost like at the end of a meal, almost like a dessert, they'd have like yeah. big cubes of it and I detested it.
2: Well, it's like a digestive. And it was like, like, there's like, I
1: didn't like it. Oh, no, we didn't even talk about the alcohol and right. stuff like that, pastis. And, but anyhow, I never liked it. But then at some point, I was like, I started eating and going, you know what? This is actually delicious. And I love to just eat it raw.
2: Oh, yeah. I like it raw. Um, there's, I mean, I think my first thought is like childhood, you know, I grew up, you know, red sauce Italian, you know, sausage and peppers and, you know, a really, really like heavily fenneled sausage for me is oh, yeah. like...
1: And the fennel seeds, sure. Yeah, the
2: fennel seeds. Like that's yeah. an instantly what I think about. And then as I like kind of matured in my culinary journey, I remember going to a restaurant in Asbury Park, New Jersey called Porta, which is actually a, a pizza, a Neapolitan-style pizza place, but they do... It's my favorite octopus dish. They, you know, they, they char the octopus and then they shave really thin fennel and onion and then they toss it with... Um, capers and a beurre blanc that dish like it is my the epitome of like per- perfection of a fennel dish and when when I read the email my mind went to those two places immediately yeah and I just to you can use you know like we talk about like nose to tail you can use the nose to tail for fennel yeah it's, it's kind of unique great- uh, vegetable.
1: When you said that about the fennel seeds in the Italian sausage, yeah. yes. To me, it's not a great sausage unless, a sweet sausage, unless it has the fennel seeds yep. in it. And then I think also back again, this is taking me back to like my grandparents homes. Mm-hmm. They used to have biscotti oh, with the yes. fennel seeds in it. Pitzel. Pitzel with the, yes, with the, with fennel. the fennel seeds. My so cousin fennel, Nancy and, used to make them at then Christmas. And of course, Anazette mm-hmm. w- to finish a meal and the French pastis. Well, wow, you really got us thinking now about fennel, which yeah, is right? great.
2: Sorry, Dave. I Chime in any time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's, I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, we think about that all the time. And it's, you know, I mean, when was the last? The, the crazy thing is, like, I remember how much we used to pay for, like, fresh, fresh crowns of, like, fennel flowers. Because it's not something you just found in Chicago. You know, so, like, walking around out here, seeing it everywhere, I, like, want to pick it all. Because it's like, oh, I know how much that's worth. Or I know what that is. So when you do see those things, you start to think to yourself, like, why have I not seen this before? And if I haven't seen it, who else hasn't seen it? And why are we not using it? Um, so that was really the impetus behind, you know, being such an exciting ingredient.
1: Yeah. Forgive my East Coast ignorance, but mm-hmm. when you when I see that wild fennel and I pick the tops off, is the book? Bu- can you get beautiful bulbs off the wild fennel, or is that a totally different no, kind more of like- plant?
0: I'm not sure if it's a totally different plant, but the wild ones get more like, it's almost like a bulb, like a torpedo onion. Got it. Um, They're like longer and skinnier, but you can still use them. We were cutting them and braising them for a while. Um, You just have to consider that every time you see one of those big fennel bushes, you get like three bulbs out of it. So when you go to the grocery store and you see like a box of fennel bulbs, that's like so many plants. Um, And so that's the other thing too. We looked at it and was like, well, how much can i get out of this big thing like whether it's juices stocks sauces um you know you, you start to think about like when you get fennel from the grocery store everyone just cuts the tops off and throw them away like that's 80 percent of what we use with fennel at the restaurant you know it's almost like well we should use the bulbs because we need the rest of all of this which is you know ultimately more exciting
1: yeah
2: tell us a little bit about your restaurant you know you talked about how you're using it but i guess
1: Pajoli in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm.
2: Tell us about it. When did it open?
1: And yeah, tell us about it.
2: Uh, We opened
0: almost four years ago. We opened in September of 2019. And um, it's a bistro. You know, we we wanted an elevated bistro. It's a little little more high end than like steak frites and French onion soup. Um, But we still try to keep it neighborhood focused and, you know, simple. Uh, The general idea is that we're trying to do Parisian cuisine through the lens of California produce. So, you know, all of our, like one day I was serving Dover sole and bragging to a guest about this amazing, like, I think it was British Dover sole. And it occurred to me that like, we're sitting on the Pacific ocean. Why am I flying Dover sole from the other side of the Atlantic? Um, And so we started working with like local fishermen. you know, we had this one uh, woman, Stephanie, who brings us amazing halibut. So we had her halibut on the menu for almost a year. And it's caught like within an hour and a half from here. Um, you know, really like taking that Parisian market philosophy, but translating it to where we are now.
1: Awesome. awesome. Well, this has been an no, amazing no. conversation. Oh, you want to say something else? Andrew's got more to say.
2: No, we have to ask the question.
1: Oh, you, oh boy, please, by all means. Okay.
2: So... Um, we ask each guest, what are the five pantry, fridge, freezer, staples that you have to have at all times, no matter what? In your like home. In at your home. home. At home. At home? Yep. Oh my god. Like if I were to open your uh, pantry right now, what would I see?
0: I mean, I can show you. It's probably the saddest thing you've ever seen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't cook too much at home. Is that what you're saying?
0: No, I mean literally. Here we'll go on an adventure. This is um, this
2: is the first time we've done this. This is amazing.
0: Yeah, here here's the saddest thing you've ever seen.
2: Wow, Uh,
1: it's like a New York City apartment. What's going on? There's like a gallon of hot
0: sauce in there. I was going to say hot sauce. Okay, that's it. All right, that's it. No, there's always yogurt and granola. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: There's always hot sauce. I mean, I have some apples here that I'll grab occasionally.
2: (laughs) Hot sauce, yogurt, granola, and apples.
1: Well, thanks a lot, Dave. It's been an awesome conversation. It really got us thinking a lot about fennel. And yeah, how it was much a beautiful conversation. It. it was really beautiful yeah. to hear that. Thank you for your time. I just time. love that epiphany Ugh. I'm like picturing you standing at the in French Yonville. Laundry. I know that farm across yep. the street. Andrew and I were just there. Yeah. It's just like it all came together and mm-hmm. made sense for you. Because I also, you know, it's like you're shipping these things mm-hmm. to Chicago in the winter and, you know, like... It didn't make sense until it made sense. Right. And I just love that. Thanks again. This was a great conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: The restaurant is Pajoli in Santa Monica. Chef Dave Barron. Thanks again.
0: Of course. Take care.
2: For more than 30 years, Tribeca Oven has been committed to providing you with great-tasting, handcrafted, frozen, par-baked artisan bread. Their passion is delivering exceptional flavor, quality, and versatility in every loaf, roll, and baguette, from elevated table bread to upgraded burger options. With Tribeca Oven, you will enjoy an elevated bread experience that will keep you and your customers returning for more. Don't miss the opportunity to elevate your menu with Tribeca Oven Artisan Bread. Try the latest additions to the baguette line, the Harvest Grain Baguette. Featuring a hint of sweetness topped with a special blend of cracked wheat, flax, oats, rye, and sunflower seeds, which is also incorporated into the dough, this baguette will bring a uniqueness to your table bread offering or sandwich menu that will keep your guest's taste buds satisfied. One taste is all the proof you'll need. Contact your sales rep today to request your samples. John, I am so excited. We are here today with Sarah Clark, who's the sales and commodity manager for Ippolito International in Salinas, California.
1: Beautiful Salinas, California.
2: Hi, Sarah. Hi. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great.
1: Awesome. We're not in Salinas, but uh, we're really happy that you're here to talk to us today about fennel.
3: Well, thank you for having me. I have uh, never in my life known as much about fennel as I do now. Uh, I thought I knew it all, but I have learned quite a bit in researching this item since we last spoke. Are
1: you a farmer? Are you Tell us about Ippolito. Tell us about what you do.
3: I am personally not a farmer. Uh, I work for the farmers, the growers and the owner who is local. Uh, Ron Mondo is second generation uh, farming family here in the Central Coast. Uh, His dad and family were farmers uh, starting with Brussels sprouts way back before Brussels sprouts were uh, popular, as they are now. Uh, There is a company called Ippolito Fruit in Canada, and they are also second-generation farmers, started in the 1930s. Ron Mondo and his father would grow vegetables here out of the Central Coast and ship them up to Canada uh, to help them in in their off-seasons, the winter seasons, and in 2001, Joel Ippolito and Ron Mondo partnered together to create and establish Ippolito International here in Salinas, California, in the Monterey Bay. So locally owned
2: company. So can you tell us a little bit about the fennel growing season, how long it takes? Um,
3: kind of describe to us a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, Fennel is a perennial plant. However, um, it can be grown as an annual. It's a very easy plant to deal with in terms of if you're comparing it to a Brussels sprout, an artichoke, celery. Uh, And it's a very ancient plant. Uh, Typically, and it depends on the weather and the time of year, but let's use right now the end of August and beginning of September, which is when we start to go into our Indian summer. So uh, we typically start to warm up now and we'll go into the seventies and eighties. Although right now, kind of like everywhere else in the United States, we're below normal temperatures. Our weather is wonky just like everyone else. So. Historically, we would be going into times of 80s and even 90s as you get into the end of September and October, and the plants love this weather. The um, typical growth cycle right now is 60 to 70 days, and that's once the plant is put into the field. We do use transplants, and so many items are started in a greenhouse, and they're started from seed And depending on the item, and fennel is about uh, 30 days, 40 days in the greenhouse, and then they take that plug or that transplant and put it into the field. And again, with the warmer weather, the longer days and sunny days, it's about 60 to 70 days before it's harvested.
2: Okay, so it has like a 90-day kind of turnaround from seed to being harvested.
3: Yes, correct. And that's actually a very fast turnaround depending on... What you might be comparing it to, uh, Brussels sprouts can be about seven months, artichokes, seven to nine months. So those are wow. a very long time in the ground and very committed. Uh, this one has a nice turnaround. In the winter months, it might take 120 days, and that's just because it's cooler and uh, shorter days. Yeah, I'm a
2: huge uh, fennel lover. Um, I mean, how much fennel is Ippolito growing each season? Is it year round and you're
3: just shipping it out? It's year round. We grow it here in the Salinas Valley. Uh, Typically it starts up in April uh, when you transition from Yuma back to Salinas. So April and we'll run through Thanksgiving up here in the Salinas Valley. And then it transitions down to Yuma at that same time. So roughly Thanksgiving to the end of March, beginning of April, it's a year round item. And uh, it's it's packed typically in a carton pack as a twelve count, a twenty four count, and a thirty count. Uh, most people out there uh, love having the full white bulb itself, which most concerns, and if you cook it yourself, you, you likely will use the white fleshy meat of the bulb. Uh, but it's also packed with the full stems of the fern, as again, all of it is uh, edible and usable. What makes a good fennel if you will like what should a consumer
2: look for or what should a chef look for if they just received a fennel delivery what you know what are the the qualities of a good bulb of fennel
3: uh so talking about what a consumer is going to want to look for um the chef uh or the consumer at retail you want to look at the bulb first that really nice White um, bulb and it's going to be bulbous uh, right now. Again, um, it's really great weather, so they're a little bit larger. The diameter is going to be anywhere from eight to twelve inches, and that's on the large side. When it's cooler in the spring and winter months, the diameter of the bulb is going to be seven to nine inches, and it's going to be white or even maybe have like a green um, white tone to it on the outside of it. And then um, in terms of you you want it firm, you don't want it to be soft. And if you don't want any brown spots, it's not necessarily harmful. The brown spots will usually um, end up as um, bruising when it's put into the box or harvested. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just more of a blemish. Um, It doesn't um, cause uh, the breakdown of the product um, or it doesn't affect the flavor and the consistency. In terms of the stalks and the fern itself, Heat can cause some yellowing. So uh, this time of year when we do get into these heat spells, you might see some yellowing of the fern. Again, it's just more of an eyesore. And typically people don't use that fern. Although, again, it is edible and some chefs will use it as a garnish on top of a salad to finish off a salad or a presentation.
2: Yeah, I love that fennel is kind of like a, you know, when in like meat or center of the plate, we call it like nose to tail where you can you you know, you want to utilize the whole animal. Fennel is kind of like that vegetable where you can use the root to the to the frond at the end. Um, yeah. So
3: yeah, it's, it's very versatile. It's also seasonal. So of course you have, um, again, I haven't really seen any people use the roots themselves, but you can use the root to the tail, to the head uh, of the plant. Yeah. Uh, The demand really does go up. So going back to your question earlier about the volume or the tonnage, um, it's very popular in the fall and winter months. Of course, the Italians love it. So it's um, very popular with certain different cuisines and nationalities, different regions, Mediterranean, Italian food. Uh, soups, salads, so as we go into the colder months, people will start using it more for a soup versus a salad. And of course, if you're making your own meats, it's a very, very popular ingredient for making homemade sausage and stuffings for turkeys.
2: Absolutely. John, you have anything?
1: Not really, I mean, you covered it pretty well.
3: And of course, if you prefer your beverages, uh, teas, Absence, Sambuca. It's popular in stews, uh, even pizza toppings. Uh, you can eat it just blanched. You can eat it raw. When it's raw, it's going to be crunchy uh, and have a, a little more mild flavor. A uh, very common way to start out with cooking it is sauteing it in butter uh, or some olive oil to your preference with an onion, and then it becomes a very, very sweet. And also dry the tops. Um, it's also used and transitioned into a seed for a dry herb. Nice.
2: Yeah, I love doing uh, all of the research and the history and and whatnot. I was reading that in the medieval times they used to hang fennel over their doorways to ward off evil spirits. Um, they used to plug their their uh, keyholes with fennel on St. John's Day. So it does go way way back to these kind of. Uh, roman times and when it was you know not just used for food but also um kind of part of daily life
3: absolutely and i i don't know i believe we have a friday the 13th coming up in october so we we all might need to get some funnel and hang it from the rooftop or by the doorway (laughs) without coming up uh it is it's it goes back to medieval times uh it's known for having heavy antioxidants uh it's it's an anti-inflammatory it's very heart healthy so it's a it's a natural uh, remedy, Mother Nature's remedy, if you will, to many common ailments that we all experience in life.
2: Well, if you're not a fennel lover, please go to your grocery store and buy a bulb. You can eat any part, raw or cooked. has that beautiful anisette kind of licorice-y t- uh, flavors to it. Um, now I want to have fennel. So we appreciate your time, Sarah. Thank you for being here.
3: Well, I very much appreciate your time. And um, Andrea, John, if there's any uh, follow-up or questions that you have, please uh, reach out, let me know. And if you guys want some samples, um, you know, we're shipping out there to where you guys are at in your region all the time. So we'd love to send you guys some. Thanks Thanks for being a partner to Chef's Warehouse. Yeah, thank you. Have a good one.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders follow us on Instagram at ingredient insiders. You can find the products we discussed on today's episode at chefswarehouse.com or at your favorite specialty retailer.